thank you for tuning in to AnchorCast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to get the latest updates about events, meetings, and uploads. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey, so uh, Maddie kind of introduced me. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, some of you remember me from a few months ago. I came in here, did the breakup talk. Uh, I was actually pretty excited you guys had me back after I basically told everybody to break up with their significant others. Um, so it's kind of you guys to, to have me back here. So, uh, so I'm not going to lie. Like, like Maddie came into my office, and the story that she's telling about this sermon series, she comes in and she goes, hey, uh, we're, doing, we're doing a sermon series called Tattoos. Like, can you help us out with it? And I was so excited, right? I thought... I thought Maddie, you wanted me to show off like my my like super awesome tattoos, right? And I actually do. I have a couple tattoos. And if you remember Maddie's talk about three or four weeks ago, uh, I'm kind of in the same mindset that I have some tattoos that kind of serve to remind me of of times in my life and uh, and decisions that I made. See, every tattoo that I have reminds me of of a decision, a decision that I made, of something that was important to my life. Um, and they were all decisions. I'm just going to put it that way, decisions, right? So I made a decision when I was uh, 18 years old to get an anarchy tattoo put on my left shoulder, right? Because I was like punk rock for life. Uh, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Uh, on my other shoulder, I've got a wolf. And uh, there's a fun story with that one. My friend from out of town came in and he said, dude, I really want to get a tattoo. Do you know a good shop? And this was a long time ago when you could just walk into a tattoo shop. Um, now you gotta like make appointments and stuff. Uh, so we just like walked in and he was like picking stuff out. And then some guy was in front of us and he heard the gun turn on. And my buddy was like, dude, I'm scared. Uh, can you get one first? You get one first and then I'll get one. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, that one, let's do this, right? So I get this tattoo, I get all done with it. And then I turn to my buddy and I'm like, your turn. And he's like, I think I'm good. And uh, no joke, true story. That was 20 years ago. And that dude still doesn't have a tattoo. Um, so, but see my tattoos, I was pretty conservative when I got them. Uh, both of my tattoos are on my shoulders, right? And so they're covered up when I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt. And uh, as, as many of you might have guessed, I don't run around a lot without a shirt on. So, I mean, most of the time people aren't going to see these for me. Uh, but I was thinking about this, uh, and I've been thinking about a tattoo for a while. I want to get one on my forearm. I want to get like a, like a Christ-based one on my forearm. But that's a big step, right? Because that's one that like everyone could see. And it would be the first one that even if I was wearing a short sleeve shirt other people would be able to see. And, uh, and, you know, like people with tattoos, they, they see you and they make judgments, right? Anybody in here have tattoos, right? Raise your hands. I'll go into hell. It's in Leviticus. But um, anyway, so people will see your tattoos, right? And they make judgments about that. I remember I was doing premarital counseling for a couple one time, and, and I'd, I'd never taken my shirt off during premarital counseling. It's not something I normally do. And, but anyway, so at that point in the premarital counseling, like one of the last questions that we ask is, you know, do you have any kind of spiritual differences? And she had been like, yeah, we're totally different. He'd been like, no, we feel the same thing. They go to this, the same church. They both go here. So I was kind of like, hey, let's talk about that. And so when I was talking to her, I said, what, do you, what, do you, what are these spiritual differences? And she goes, well, it's just little stuff. Like, like I just, I, I don't think that people who have tattoos are going to hell. And he does. And I was like, hmm, let's, uh, let's talk about this, right? So we kind of talked about it. And at the end, I was kind of like, hey, are you okay with a dude who's going to hell doing your wedding? I just want to make sure. And they were, so it's fine. It's good. But, uh, but here's the thing, right? So if you have a tattoo, if you're one of those people that raised your hand or, or maybe you have a birthmark or maybe you have a scar, you know this truth, which is that people can judge us for the marks left on us by decisions we've made and by stuff that we've gone through. See, it's part of life. And if you have a tattoo like me, you knew that when you made the decision, right? You knew that there were going to be certain people like probably your grandparents, right, that were going to think you joined a gang or something. 
my, my mom legitimately thought I joined a gang. It was pretty funny. Uh, she's still not sure I didn't, but it's, it'll, it'll get better over time. But see, sometimes though, sometimes things happen to us, things that leave marks, things that leave scars are things we didn't decide to do. See, sometimes things happen to us or things are done to us that we didn't choose. And those things can leave marks too. And see, that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to be going through some things that we didn't choose. And some of these things are tough. And some of these things are hurtful. And all of these are things that can leave scars, things that can mark us, and things that can play like a factor in our day-to-day interactions with other people. We're going to be talking about trauma. And so if any of you work in the medical field or if any of you are like pre-med people here, you know when we talk about trauma, we're talking about uh, injuries caused by forces from outside the body, from outside of ourselves. And I know this because that's how I described trauma when I taught paramedics. See, I I did that in the secular world before I answered God's call and I came into ministry. That's a much longer story. I think we might get to it a little bit today. It depends on, uh, on how things go. Uh, so I might come back to that. And so for years, when I, was, when I was teaching, I would talk about trauma. I'd talk about things like burns and car accidents and violence and, and what impact that had on the human body. But see, there's another side of trauma that's just, signif- that's just as significant, where it leaves wounds, it leaves scars, but sometimes they're just not quite as obvious. And that's psychological trauma. See, in all those circumstances I listed before, the burns, the car accidents, the violence, there's a physical component, right? There's damage to our bodies, and that damage needs to be healed. But in every one of those, there's also similar wounds that we can have to our mind, to our, to our psyche, to our soul, however you want to describe it. And, and, and what, what sucks about those is you can't see the bruises. You can't see the blood on the outside. So what happens is oftentimes we just move through life, and we're emotionally bleeding to death. We're just unaware of that damage. We're unaware. Uh, uh, others around us are unaware of that damage too because sometimes some of this psychological trauma we have, they're the types of marks and scars that we can hide under a short sleeve shirt that looks like maybe having a fake smile or maybe looks like saying, hey, I'm doing great. Everything's okay when we're not really okay. And see how we respond to emotional trauma and how we deal with it or, or don't deal with it, it, it depends on a lot of factors. And that's what I kind of want to talk about today. Um, so first, I want to start just to find there's two different types of trauma that you can go through, and uh, they affect us differently. So there's what, what we would call acute trauma, right? And I don't mean like it's, it's cute, right? Acute. Uh, it's a one-time incident, and these can vary in intensity. So it could be something as simple as like somebody steals from you, right? That can be traumatic, or, uh, or I- any of you that watch Game of Thrones, right? You're pretty used to trauma, right? You get used to a, a character you've grown to love over several years, and then unexpectedly and ruthlessly, they're just killed in a, in a hideous way, right? Any Game of, fans, Throne, Game of Thrones fans in here? Sweet, sweet. Tattoo people, you're going to have friends in hell, don't worry. No, I just, uh, <laughs> I bring that up just to point out for any of you that watch, I just want to let you know you all are about to get wrecked, right? You know that. You've seen the last two episodes, you know you're about to get wrecked. That's, I'm not going to spoil it, don't worry. I'm not, it's on trauma, but I'm not going to do that right now, right? So let's go back to like kind of if you've ever had anything stolen from you, because I think most of us have had something stolen. Uh, I just think back of like as a kid, I've had, I've had uh, my, my bike stolen. Uh, my wife has had her car stolen multiple times because we drive Hondas and we still don't learn. Uh, but you know what I mean? It, it happens. You, something gets stolen and, and I just, I can think of that feeling of that violation where you just feel vulnerable. You're just paranoid, right? Like are the doors locked? Are they locked? You're looking out. Is the car still there, right? Because that sense of security has been broken, And maybe for you, that acute trauma looks like maybe you've been in like an accident. Maybe you've been victimized in a crime like a robbery or an assault. All of those can cause some sort of psychological damage. But see, then there's chronic trauma. 
And chronic trauma, these are like repeated incidents that wound us. And maybe like each one's not a big one. It's not like everything that happens is a catastrophe, but there's a cumulative effect to it and it can be very damaging. And uh, this is things like emotional or verbal abuse. And I'll share a little of my story. See, I, I, I grew up in a home where, uh, where words weren't used to, uh, to build people up. Words were more often used as a weapon, as a way to cut people down. And so I, I can't think of a lot of big incidents that happened. I can think of a few. But there was just this, like, repeated exposure to negativity. And that just led to these wounds that, that I still have right now. Things that go through my head at this very moment are related to that. See, I think about things like I have these recurring feelings of just not feeling like I'm good enough. Um, I, I feel like I, I need to prove myself, right? Like, like one of the best ways to motivate me is to tell me I can't do something. And I'm like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove I have some sort of value. I feel this pressure to be perfect. I feel a pressure to seek the approval of other people. And see, this kind of chronic repetitive trauma, it doesn't leave visible wounds. It doesn't leave obvious bruises like it would from physical trauma, but the wounds are just as real. And, and I need to kind of mention, too, that not all trauma is a result of bad people. It's not all the result of crime or abuse. There are other things that can cause trauma, too, like maybe if you're part of a family that was broken through divorce, or, or maybe you've lost a loved one that was close to you. These are all things that can mark you up, things that can change you. And one of the, the weird things about trauma is it's subjective. And what I mean by that is that you and I can have the same experiences, but we can be impacted in completely different ways. Like there's some things that could happen to me that would wreck me, but wouldn't really impact you. And there might be some things for you that would change your whole world, but wouldn't even be a blip on, on my radar. And for your fill-ins, I've got four different things that I think can impact our response to trauma and whether or not it becomes a wound. And the first one is our past experiences. And I want to kind of give you an example of, of past experiences and how that affects how we process trauma. Uh, I worked on an ambulance for 15 years, right? And this one's kind of weird. It's kind of morbid. and It might change your opinion of me, but that's all right. We're in a safe place, right? So uh, if we were like walking along, just like, hey, we're just taking a walk somewhere. And like there was a dead body in the bushes, like that wouldn't bother me. Like, I, I mean, if, if it was like somebody I knew, yeah, that'd be weird. But like just a random person, like, because like I worked 15 years in an ambulance, right? I saw, I saw a lot of dead people. Most of them weren't my fault, but like, so what happens is it just kind of like changes things, right? But for you, if that's not experiences you had, if you haven't been around, like some people are like freak out or an open casket funeral, they're like, I can't do it. Um, so it would just be very different uh, because what we've experienced in the past influences how we're responding to our events in the present. See, and that's the second thing too that, that can change how we, we process trauma, which is our present circumstances, See, when we're coming from a standpoint, we're going about life and we're generally, we're pretty well, right? We're just, everything's going pretty good. Uh, we're pretty resilient. We're able to deal with the incoming trauma that comes towards us. Uh, but I think a lot of us are familiar with the opposite of that. You know, that, that whole straw that broke the camel's back thing, right? Like, like maybe you've had a rough day. Maybe you work in like retail or customer service, right? Um, which apparently somewhere in society, we, like people just think they have the right to like, if you work in customer service or retail, to just take out all all the pain in their life that they've ever had in that 15-minute transaction with you, right? Like, like you personally are writing the store policies that say you can't do that return, right? Or like, uh, I'm getting off on a tangent already, but like, it used to drive me nuts when people would flip out about plastic bags at the grocery store, right? When they'd be like, oh, I need some bags, oh, it's 10 cents. And people would be like, I can't believe you're charging me 10 cents. And it's like, it's a law. Like, Becky didn't just decide she's charging you 10 cents for this. Right? So if you're in retail, you know what, that, what that's like, right? Somebody's just been beating on you all day, and maybe you come home and a friend or a family member says something, and they just kind of say it wrong, like maybe they didn't mean it, and, and you just snap, right? You just break, you just can't take it anymore. 
And see, sometimes you're like recovering from a previous trauma, and this happens a lot, right? Like, you're like, oh, I'm just getting over this one. I'm just starting to get a little bit better. And then something else hits, and it just breaks you. And, uh, and I'm not going to lie, that, that's, why, that's why I'm in ministry, because it happened to me. See, uh, before I, I came back to church, and before I started working on, on my recovery ministry stuff, um, I hadn't dealt with a lot of stuff that had happened to me. Uh, so I hadn't dealt with, like, that childhood emotional abuse I talked about before, and uh, and I hadn't talked about a lot of the stuff that I'd seen on the ambulance, stuff that had happened to me, just kind of hadn't processed it, and uh, and so I kind of had that all kind of built up stuff going on, and uh, and then one of my old partners on the ambulance, he uh, he committed suicide, and uh, and it sent me reeling, right? Because I started thinking about my own mental health issues, I started thinking about my depression, my anxiety, stuff that I had battled, and I, and I started doing stuff like. Um, I started going down this well where I'd look at his Facebook posts and I'd see stuff and go like, how did I miss that? How did I miss that? That was a sign. I should have seen it. And, uh, and I'd wonder, why, hadn't, why didn't I reach out? Why didn't I act differently? And so I'm still struggling with this. And then 10 days later, one of the students in my paramedic class who I was with three days a week for eight hours a day, he killed himself too. And, uh, and I just broke, right? There was just so much going on. I just couldn't take it. And, uh, and that's why this series is so important to me. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just somebody who's uh, who suffered, suffered with my own mental health stuff, but I've been impacted by other people's struggles as well. And see, in my circumstances where I was in the time when that happened, I, I couldn't deal with it. I, I, just, I got to this point where I didn't have anywhere to run. I didn't have anything else to hide, hide my, my pain with, right? My sleeves weren't long enough to hide those marks anymore. And, and I knew I had to do something. And and for me, that was realizing my brokenness could only be healed by a complete reliance on God. And that led to a series of decisions that led to me in minist- to being in ministry, which led to me being up here tonight. And, and I think that reliance on God is a huge factor in the third thing, which is our, uh, which is our future outlook. <clears throat> so uh, so w- what I think about the future outlook is that what we think about who we are and the nature of the universe, that that's going to impact how resilient we are to trauma. And uh, I, have, I have a love-hate relationship with being a pastor on campus who teaches here. And uh, I have a love-hate relationship with that because I feel like God always gives me the content that I need. And, uh, and, and I've had some, some guys that I've mentored who have come up to me before and they've said, hey, where do you get the ideas on what you're going to talk about? And I wish I had some magic like idea formula, some, some factory that I could just pull it out of. Uh, but the reality is God just has a way. God just has a way of bringing me to places and giving me experiences I need to have in order to talk about stuff. And man, sometimes it's great. So like uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago, actually, I was writing a lesson in Celebrate Recovery about being powerless, right? About realizing that we don't have the ability to change some things in our lives. And, uh, and God gave me this opportunity. Uh, some of you might have heard Pastor David talk about going to Vegas uh, for a church conference. They, they took me, right? That somebody somewhere thought like, we should take the recovery guy to Vegas. Think that one through, right? Uh, but what that meant is I had to get on an airplane. And, uh, and I've been on airplanes before, but I mentioned, like, I struggle with anxiety. And I think my last, like, big holdout with anxiety is flying. I hate it. I hate flying. Because uh, for me, flying is, like, just this lack of control, right? I'm sitting in a machine I don't really understand, right? You look at an airplane, you're like, there's no way that thing should fly. And it's being piloted by a dude I just met right? Who like said two words and then shut a little door, right? And I'm like, this does not, this is not good. And so in that moment, kind of sitting on a couple different runways, I came face to face with that powerlessness. And I feel like in that moment that there was one point I was working through a bunch of different stuff and I kind of like reached like 
this point where I realized, hey, God doesn't have to use the, the airplane to kill me, right? Like, like he may want to kill me, but I'm sure there's plenty of people in here who are good people that God doesn't need to take out as collateral damage in there, right? Uh, but I feel like God challenged me to make a decision on what I thought about his goodness. See, when we, have a, when we don't have a positive outlook for the future, when we don't trust God, we get in circumstances and we start to think like, how am I going to get myself out of this? How am I going to fix it? And, and there's where we find anxiety. There's where we find stress. There's where we find fear. But see, when we trust in God, when we trust in his goodness, things are different. And see, the example God gave me, I think it was because we were in Vegas, right? And so we're looking around and like, I'm a fan of illusionists. I'm going to share a story that Jake will probably laugh at. But one time uh, we had a, a, a card trick guy come into church and I walked out in church for the announcements and I was like, who likes magic, right? And there were like two people that clapped and everybody else was like, that's witchcraft and it's in the Bible and you're going to hell. Um, but no, so I was like thinking, so I'm not going to say magic, right? Because I don't want to trigger anybody. But I was thinking about like illusionists, right? David Blaine and, and stuff like that. And I was thinking about if you watch those guys, like it's cool, right? Like you'll see David Blaine like handcuffed and straight jacketed and he gets like jammed into a little tank with some water and he's in there. And I don't know about you, but like I trust him, right? I trust that illusionist. And so I'm excited when that happens and I'm going, dude, how's that guy going to get out of there? This is going to be cool. Like where's he have the key? How is this going to happen? See, and when we trust in the goodness of God, when we're locked in that straitjacket, when we're in that water tank, we can have that same excitement where we can say, like, I know God's going to do something awesome here. I just can't, I can't wait to see what it is. And so I feel like God gave me that for my message, and I shared it. And see, so sometimes God walks me through some stuff for messages that's pretty awesome. But I'm not going to lie, sometimes it's terrible. See, I, I taught that lesson, and then uh, last week, I think God gave me an opportunity where he came down to me, and he said, hey, remember what you preached on Friday? Here you go. So four days after that message, I learned a story about a young, uh, young man named Christopher, and I got a picture of him, Dak, if you could put it up there. Do you have that? Yeah, so that's, that's Christopher right there. Uh, this is a picture of him. This is April 11th on this picture. Uh, the day before I actually delivered that message about, you know, trust and everything else. And, uh, and that's Christopher there in the middle. Obviously, he's the boy, right? So you inferred who Christopher was, right? And then you've got his, uh, his mom, Jennifer, there, and you've got his sister, Christina. Yes, his name is, sister, is Christopher, and his sister's name is Christina. Not a, not a super creative family, I'm not going to lie. And, uh, and this is them. You can see there's, uh, they're Disney World. I forget what that's called, but yeah, that's Epcot. Thank you. And uh, so, yeah, so they're the outside Epcot. I just do a cool vacation picture. Well, here's the deal. Five days after this picture was taken, uh, Christopher was involved in a freak accident and he broke three vertebrae in his neck. And Christopher's paralyzed from the neck down now. So, uh, so the crazy part of that story is five days after that accident, Christopher's in the hospital on Easter where he spent his 16th birthday. So I was thinking about this and it was just kind of hitting me that this is the same day that Christopher's supposed to get his learner's permit to learn how to drive a car. And he's in the hospital wondering whether or not he's going to be able to learn how to walk again. And I could tell you all kinds of stories about this young man. He's funny. He's a great guy. He loves theater, loves gymnastics, and he's a great cook. I know a lot about him because he's my nephew. And I think when I got that news, God asked me that question. God said, do you trust me? Do you think I'm good? 
Are you going to look towards the future with fear and with bitterness and with anxiety or with the excitement as to how I'm going to work this out? And obviously, I, I had my nose to let you guys know this is hard. I think you guys kind of caught that, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that it's not a struggle minute by minute, day by day. But I was thinking about something. Christopher and his family, they're not believers. So I can't even imagine what that moment looks like for them. See, I have this outlook where I look at it. You know what? Every one of us in this room, every one of us, some way or another, we're going to lose our ability to walk someday, right? It's going to happen to everybody here. It might be disease. It might be injury. It might be age. It might be death. But there's going to be some point on this world where you're not going to be walking around anymore. But see, in our walks with Jesus, we know that we're going to be restored from the broken bodies we've been given, that we're going to be restored from this trauma. See, and what I believe is that in this moment, God's going to find a way to work in Christopher. And he's going to work it out for his good. And that, you know what? While my nephew may never walk again on this earth... I firmly believe that someday he's going to be dancing with his Lord and Savior. And even though it's difficult, I'm choosing to be excited about how that's going to happen. And I think the last thing that impacts how we deal with stuff, I was in Vegas, so I was kind of inspired by Carrot Top, so I got props, right? Is, is a thing I call our emotional toolbox. So what, what goes on is, is each of us has this emotional toolbox that we, we carry around with us, and we use this to fix some psychological problems that we might encounter. And if you've ever worked on a project, like maybe you've done woodworking, or maybe you've like worked on a car. Um, I, I don't know, I was thinking about this just now, and like, apparently when you do your nails, you need like a bunch of tools. I don't know, my wife has a bunch of stuff like that. But it's really important, right, that you have the right tool for the right job. And what's, what's interesting about toolboxes is all of us are walking around with a different toolbox. And a lot of us have like a, a bunch of tools in them, and, and some of us don't have very many. And, uh, and I think back on my walk, and for a large portion of my life, I really only had one tool, and, and it was alcohol. See, I found that alcohol was a really good way of like putting off a problem, just putting it on a shelf for a little bit. I could forget about it until later. It never really got rid of it, right? But I found at least a little bit of momentary peace. And so, so that's, that's all I really had was like this hammer, right? And, and a hammer, if you look at it, it's pretty good at driving nails, right? I think this was actually like my grandpa's hammer, so it's probably not really safe, so I'm not going to swing it around a lot anymore. Uh, but if, if you've got a hammer, right, it's good at driving nails. Uh, it's not so great if you're like dealing with a screw or maybe a bolt. And I'm not going to lie, it's pretty useless if you're trying to change a tire other than it gets out a little bit of aggression, but see, the, the problem is when all you have in that emotional toolbox is a hammer, all of your problems, they, they start to look a lot like nails, right? And so you swing this around pretty inappropriately and you can, you can break a lot of stuff with it. And I'm, I'm not lying, I did. I broke a lot of things with it. But see, I've got more tools now as I've kind of delved in a little bit. Like maybe I've got, you know, a community of people that support me. Uh, maybe I've got like accountability partners. Those are good, right? Maybe I've got, I've got faith. Keeps me on the level, right? Maybe I've got prayer. Oh, this one here. Maybe this is therapists. Maybe, maybe this one is medication, right? See, when I, when I have situations, when I have problems, I'm able to use the right tool for the job. 
And see, this is something that, that David talked about two weeks ago. See, most of the tools, any, any kind of one tool here alone, it, it's, not, it's not enough to deal with the problems that we have. See, may, maybe you do have a problem that can be fixed by one of these. Maybe you're, maybe you're isolated and you, you just need that community again. Or maybe you have that brain chemistry problem and, and you might need medication. But there's no one tool. There's no silver bullet that's going to help you with every problem. See, in the, in the Bible, Jesus used a lot of different ways to heal people. And this is one of the interesting things when you look at Christ and how he healed people through the New Testament. He had a huge toolbox. See, some people were healed by just, just by recognizing. When, when Jesus said, who do you say I am? And they said, I said that you said that you were Christ the Savior. They were healed. There were other people that were healed when they touched the fringe of his cloak, right? But there were still others that Jesus healed by spitting on the ground, making mud and rubbing it in their eyes, or others that he sent to wash in a medicinal pool. See, you'd be really hard-pressed to go through the gospel and find two people that Jesus healed the exact same way. Because our problems, they're complex, and most of them are going to need combinations of each of these things. Well, except maybe that one. I don't get to use that one anymore, right? But, uh, but they're going to be a bunch of different things together. And uh, it might be something like therapy, medication, faith, community, and prayer. See, each of our problems are going to have a slightly different solution because none of us are the same. But see, there's a, there's a tragedy that could happen when we talk about these tools and when we look at these tools. And that's that we could lose sight of the carpenter who gave them to us. See, fundamentally, God is the one who restores us. And that restoration might look a lot of different ways. For some of you, it might look like medication. For some of you, it might just be through prayer. And there are some people I've seen in recovery ministry that are legitimately, instantly healed from problems. But there's a lot of people that aren't. Because we're all different. And the carpenter, he knows his creation better than anybody else. And he's going to know the right tool to use on the right person at the right time. And so in a minute here, we're going to have a song of worship and the band's going to come up here. Uh, but just tonight, I just want to acknowledge everybody here, we've all experienced some sort of trauma. And you know what? Just by the law of averages looking around this room, some of you are experiencing trauma right now. And our hope tonight, our hope throughout this whole message series is that through all these gifts from the carpenter, whether that's friends, pastors, leaders, doctors, psychologists, and not the least of which we can never overlook faith and grace that you would find the right tools to deal with the damage that's leaving those scars, leaving those marks, leaving those tattoos on you and on your mind. Because here's the, here's the message. God doesn't want us to succumb to the brokenness of the world. God wants to rebuild us. Romans 12, 2 puts it this way, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so I'm going to talk about this right now because I need this reminder probably more than some of you in this room, but I think we all could, that even when we're hurting, God is good. And even when we're broken, God is good. And even when it seems like you can't make it even one more day, God is good. And his good, pleasing, and perfect will is for us to be transformed, for us to be renewed, for us to rise above that trauma we've suffered and to experience the grace and healing that's possible from following Jesus Christ. So before we sing this song, would you, can I pray with you guys? God, God, you're, you're good. 
God, I just want to acknowledge that that you're powerful enough, God. You're powerful enough to overcome the pain, to overcome the damage, the tattoos of this world. And God, I just want to acknowledge the sacrifice of your son, that it's enough. It's enough to triumph over the things that have happened to anyone in this room, God. And I want to lift those people up, lift up anyone in this room, God, who's currently suffering, anyone going through current trauma or dealing with pain of of past trauma. And I want you to show them clearly, Father, just illuminate for them their road to recovery, to restoration into the perfect creation that you intended every one of us to be. God, we thank you for all the ways that you love us and for continuing to pursue us every day to mend us and to make us whole in your presence. We love you so much, God, but God, it was always you who taught us how to love. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.